Hi, welcome back to another episode of I'm a Pole Dancer, a pole podcast by pole dancers for pole dancers and the curious. My name is Sari the Scary Fairy and I am your host. And today I have the incredible, the amazing Debzilla, aka Deb Roach. Hi. Hello, lovely to be here. So lovely to meet you for the first time. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's really cool. um, This is only the third ever podcast I've ever done, so this is really fun for me. And both of them are really different. And from, like, I just – this is the first ever poll-specific podcast I've ever done, so that's going to make it extra special. Oh, I'm so excited. Why don't you tell our audience who you are, anything you want them to know about you. There's no need to be humble. Brag as much as you want. No one's going to judge. Uh, well, firstly, this isn't my regular voice. I've been at home sick for a while, and uh, my voice is still recovering. So if I sound like I smoke a packet of cigarettes every day, I actually don't. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'm a non-smoker. But um, I own World of Pole in Blacktown. Uh, I've been pole dancing for 13 years. Wow. And I have won the International Pole Dance Championships in the disabled category three times. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That's incredible. So today's episode is, we're going to be talking just about that, is disabled pole dancers. And you can't see Deb because it's a podcast, but Deb uh, only has one arm. And she's like a... Oh, you can swear on the episode too. That's totally okay. okay. No need to have the filter. I was going to say she's fucking fantastic. So... (laughs) And I was hoping we could talk a little bit about your experience, um, the pain points, the positive points, and my goal with, I've sort of been like a series of episodes now, just sort of happened as is, of a bunch of different pole bodies that exist in the pole yeah. world because there there really isn't a thing that there's like one specific type of pole body and poles should be inclusive. Exactly, exactly. And there's also not one specific type of pole. Like there, mm-hmm. there are different bodies that are going to lend themselves to different styles of pole dancing yeah Um, yeah if you wanted to be the dimitri politov dynamic flipster obviously the more limbs you have and the less weight you have to throw around the easier it is to going to be to replicate his movement style Mm -hmm. but if you wanted to the aletheia austin flow i don't know if everyone still knows who that is but um this is one of the OGs of pole dance and sensual style flow, you can literally be anyone. A lot of flow movement you can even do in a wheelchair because you can still pirouette, you can still round and round, you've still got that capacity if if you're in a chair with um, using a chair with both arms to push and pull because if we boil pole down to it, it is about those two specific actions, push and pull. You are so right. It is all about the push and the pull. Every movement has that. Yeah. So let's start with your pole journey. 13 years ago, back at the beginning, what got you started? What what bug bit you? What? Okay. <laughs> so I, I was actually, um, way back when, sitting here with my like blonde tips, um, I was a goth and I was DJing and stage dancing in goth nightclubs nice. and we were doing this club called bloodlust carnival and it was circus themed 
And um, this was the first time I'd seen pole outside of a strip environment. And um, the two performers did this circus-themed routine where they were marionette puppets that broke free of their master's strings. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was so cool. And um, I was just super impressed by how it was circus it was really circus and visual theater and performing arts mm-hmm. that I was, I was doing. and it was also so incredibly athletic which wasn't news to me I knew pole was really athletic but I'd always seen it and experienced it in the one context which was and always like a very burlesque flavor yeah but this was completely different to that sorry about that I'll turn my notifications off all good um, yeah, so it was the first time I'd seen pole in a circus context and I really loved it. Um, and I spoke to them backstage and I said, you guys have blown my mind. What you do is really amazing. Um, you're lucky girls with your two arms and your fancy pole dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and they asked me, why do you say that? Have you tried it? And I was like, no. Why, why would... I, with one arm, try and put myself in a position to do what you do. That's just not possible. And they said, well, you don't know that. You could be able to do loads of stuff. You just haven't seen or tried. And that's really, I'm one of those people that can't say no to a challenge. um, Yeah, so I was in the studio the next Monday and I was hooked. Nice. Oh, that is such a great beginner story and what got you started into pole. And I love how they challenged you saying, why not? Why, why can't you do it? Yeah. And my first experience is because it was, um, so it was someone I knew. So it was familiar. I already felt really welcome. There was immediate inclusion and no intimidation. Amazing. Um, she had a teaching assistant who was also a friend of mine so i i felt um really at home in in that in their company and in that first class um which i think really boosted my confidence and took down some of the barriers that i think might prevent beginners from actually blossoming in in their early days mm-hmm. um I, I feel like i didn't have to deal with some of the, the barriers that they have to deal with um but that being said, even though I could do a cross knee release or a hang back or a bent leg layback, as some people know it, in my first class, um, I just it took me a really long time to do things that a lot of people with two arms can do quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was probably an eight to twelve week journey for me to be able to climb to the top of the pole because I had to build the strength in my shoulder and understand how to use my pelvis and my glutes to drive that movement. So it it was really challenging. And the instructors could try to do it with one arm. Like I would obviously, not having a vast movement background or um, in, in pole and not having that vocabulary myself, I relied really heavily on them to be able to coach and instruct me on by trialing mm-hmm. how things with one hand and so <clears throat> yeah they try it and they're like oh wow this is hard but then think about what to do so from their description and their attempts for that to then translate and land into my body um took a lot 
of processing. Wow. But that's, I think that's what how it was like back then, but now we're so good at breaking down pole movement yeah. and sharing that vocabulary that it's much easier to communicate movement and information these days. Yeah, okay, I was going to say 8 to 12 weeks to climb the pole, like, where I'm at, that's actually fast. So, like... Really? Nice. Well, I mean, the way that the classes are structured over where I'm at with my studio, you don't start yeah. learning how to climb... We, we have six levels at my studio and you don't yeah. start typically learning how to climb an invert around the second or third level. And there's like, oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. So, I mean, each studio is different, of course, and like how they teach I things. I really like-, like that approach in that it removes the pressure and it builds mm-hmm. the passion and the, the vocabulary. I suppose you would um, look at turning and movement with the pole um, and developing the strength so that when you do start looking at climbing, that it's not it's not a stretch. Yeah. 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 So we really focus a lot on like the floor spins first and getting acquainted with the pole and what the momentum feels like. And then we start getting off the pole, off the floor. But I wanted to circle back to learning pole in an environment with one arm, but you said you had teachers that you were familiar with. They were friends. You were in a safe space. In my first couple of terms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was really helpful for me um, because they were willing to trial and uh, to think outside the box and not follow a set curriculum, like to keep me within the scope of what the beginner's class was working on, but really happy to adapt and modify wherever necessary. When I went to my second pole classes, so different instructors, Mm -hmm. my second experience of pole was not bad. So where I came from an environment and what I also fell in love with with pole was that everyone found it hard. It wasn't just me. Mm -hmm. Everyone everyone was doing something that was incredibly tough. And um, we'd all celebrate each other's successes and share in each other's frustrations. And that that camaraderie I found really different to any other form of group fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... When I went to this second class, it was a very structured curriculum-based lesson. Mm-hmm. So if you, and this instructor who I had was responsible for writing that curriculum and delivering her syllabus. Oh. And she was not prepared to deviate from the plan and the structure that she was so deeply invested in. Interesting. So how did so, you circumnavigate that? It was it was really disheartening. Um, I would pick up where I could, um, but I repeated a certain level so many times that at the end I just ended up doing the stretch classes mm-hmm. and not the pole classes. Oh wow! Uh, because apart from the workshops, obviously if I had a chair dance workshop or whatever, I'd come to that, but. I couldn't get my Jamila. I couldn't figure out the mechanics of how to get a Jamila with one hand for nine years. Oh, wow. But because for nine... there has to be a certain amount of like how I utilize this short arm to make that work is not something that someone else can do for me. Um, and also because the pole world up until a certain point has been so ableist and so mm-hmm. incredibly capable in physicality that's not been an area that's been really widely explored. 
So, and also every disability is so different. The way yeah. that some, one person is going to do it is not the way that I'm going to do it. So a lot of things I found uh, were really things that I had to figure out and break down for myself. Um, and yeah, so I ended up repeating. It was an elementary, like one level so many times because I couldn't get this one move oh, that wow. I ended up having a home, a home polar and just going to practice time at different studios and not going through curriculum for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I definitely, I had private lessons and then I found people uh, to connect with and train with who would be like, you can do this thing I'm working on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it wasn't in a structured class environment. But then I did look at, you know, when, as I became a coach and a pole instructor, obviously I learned curriculums and the methodology of what works for most bodies. And having gone through adapting all the moves for myself, I'm really, I'm, I'm very adept at thinking outside the box. And we have pole for curves classes at my studio that um, we have this whole list of different ways to look at movement um, depending on body shape and workarounds and what works for people. Oh, I love that. Now, how would you recommend an instructor approaching um, teaching of thinking outside of the box? Like, how would an inst- how should an instructor approach that when approaching students who, you know, all students have different bodies and abilities? So, how would an instructor approach that? Um, remembering that there isn't one right way to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but look. Different instructors are great for different reasons and some of them will be amazing instructors for their energy and their enthusiasm and their passion to cheer people on. They might not be the most technical um, or biomechanical, anatomical instructors, um, but they are really great motivators and enthusiasts and really, you know, they know how to keep people safe and they, they will keep them trying. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if even as a, like, so you need to know your coaching style Mm -hmm. to know how to interact with people that don't fit inside the box or the scope of what you would normally prescribe. Mm -hmm. So there's there's that first consideration. Who am I as an instructor? And is this something that I can take on? Like, how do I deal with these different things with the level of skill and knowledge that I have today? And the answer to that is going to be different for everyone but you need to be mindful at all times that what works for one person that looks like something is not going to work for the person standing beside them that looks the same because we have different strengths and different weaknesses in our our unique bodies and um you know try everything yeah (laughs) it's it's okay to try different things like people are going to have different grips that work for them and their bodies and that yeah there is no one right way of doing pole there's only the wrong way to do pole is when you injure yourself that's the only wrong way something that increases someone's injury risks or overloads a certain joint to to a level beyond their current strength Mm -hmm. um, or flexibility then Mm -hmm. that's dangerous and that's that's not great but if you know if, so, if you want to teach someone how to grip with their thighs on a sit and they can't do it by crossing their legs around the pole, put a fit ball under them. Let them yeah. sit on the fit ball, their legs on the pole, and once they're gripping on, pull, roll the fit ball away. You know, think of different ways to to come in and come out, or you know, 
entries and exits. There is a way to get into a leg hang from a knee hook. You don't necessarily have to be able to invert first. That is because... so true. You don't have yeah. to invert to get into a, a leg hook or a, a leg hang. Yeah. So you started taking pole. When did you start teaching versus competing? What came first? So I definitely competed before I started teaching. Okay. Um, I actually encountered a couple of barriers here in Australia. I, When I fell in love with pole, I also started encountering a number of injuries. I'd pop my ribs all the time. Mm-hmm. My pelvis would um, twist out of alignment. So I, I spent a lot of money on Cairo and physio, Cairo for immediate relief, but physio to learn about my body and how, what the mechanics of the human body are in relationship to pole. And I became a personal trainer um, and a group fitness instructor. And I went into a deeper level of study on how we build strength and fitness and um, applied that in the gym environment and in regular, mm-hmm. like, normal human bodies and taking what I learned from my physio experiences. <clears throat> now I did some study into um, FMA, which is functional movement analysis. And that's um, really where I had my aha seconds in how I could get my body to do what I wanted it to do with pole because I learned about the diagonal sling systems of the obliques and the deep core. And once I had a stronger understanding of, oh, I need cable wood chops, I need rotation, but I need rotational strength so that I stop popping my ribs. Um, And once I started really understanding all that kind of stuff, it was a real game changer in what I could get my body and what my body to do and communicating uh was always something I'd done in my previous jobs and then taking that into the movement environment um meant that I really wanted to teach and to be able to share what I'd become so incredibly passionate about um I was actually a network engineer in IT before um becoming a, a personal trainer and and pole dancer and pole instructor so oh what um, <laughs> I've always loved deep technical knowledge. Let's put it that way. I mean, I can relate to that. I I have a science degree and and I get that. I get that. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and I think that, so when I competed and I wanted to start teaching and bringing all my qualifications in movement into the pole arena, Mm -hmm. Australia wasn't really open to that yet. We're a little bit behind, um, disability inclusion, also respect for people that aren't like other people in that they might have something to offer mm-hmm. that we weren't at that level yet here. Um, and I found it really frustrating. I was, I was really like, oh, if you're not blonde and you don't have a six pack, then you're not getting anywhere in, in like in pole in this country. And so I um, started working with accessible arts in contemporary dance and I applied for a grant to go and do circus development overseas Oh, and um, the UK had had um, amazing 2012 Olympics de- demonstration with a whole heap of disabled performers artists and aerialists oh wow and the, the, it opened the world up over there um, in terms of appreciation respect and inclusion for artists, athletes, and performers with disability. And I went over and I massively profited on it. And I'm still very grateful to this day to the London Dance Academy who gave me uh, as many classes as I could eat for the years 
that I was over there teaching at, for them and I, I really value that time and that they let me live my dream and there is nothing greater than being an instructor who sees someone come in from their first difficult days to mm. going on and moving beautifully and really understanding pole and being able to compete themselves or perform themselves. So, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm an instructor at my studio too, and there really is no better feeling than seeing your students have those struggle days to now look at them, look at them now. They're like, that's, that's my student. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of super cool. So, um, but one thing that's really funny is that I, I also worked in um, administration and management in London Dance, and I swore that I would never, and we used Mind Body online, and mm-hmm. I swore that like, and I would never ever run a studio because there's all the competing needs of the instructors and the students and the <laughs> software and. <laughs> It was just so much. I was like, wow, imagine having to be the person that directs all this and thinks about it as opposed to me that's just on the ground making it happen um, and yeah. instructing. And then I came over to World of Pole uh, when I moved back to Australia. Um, and the reason I really love the studio that I came back to and, and started working for is because not only do they have um, this pole for curves program but they've also got a self-paced curriculum so we have an app and it links the user in mind body to all the different moves and if they don't complete a level you still move forward you just keep coming back like it shows what's still outstanding so you can keep moving forward and graduating and progressing based on what your strengths and weaknesses are obviously we have limits on like how far you would go before we're like, no, you really have to build this. Yeah. Take you to the next spot. But no one ever has to encounter that frustration that I encountered of not being able to get that one move and so not being able to graduate. That's a really great idea. And it's interesting too because one episode that I I'm really sorry. My cat is being so annoying and I am so (laughs) sorry. And I'm just like She's been scratching inside this little, I don't know why she decided to do this, but she has like a little pink house in my closet that yeah. I put there as like her safe space. And like, I don't know why for the entirety that I've been recording, she's just been in there like scratch, scratch, scratch. And I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Like, oh my God. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I think that's a really great idea. I didn't know you could do that with mind body. Uh, we use mind body as well. But oh, it's not the custom app. It just links so we oh, get the mind API to link our custom app to the user that's booked into that class. Oh wow. Okay, yeah. well, I'm gonna kick her out of her thing. She's <laughs> me off. Hey, hey. I'll have a drink of water. Excuse me. Can you not do that? Here, I'm I'm kicking you out of your house. <laughs> this is your house, but not right now. <laughs> oh yeah, she's not happy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, you give me that look. I know, you're being annoying. You're being a little shit. Normally, she's not this annoying during recordings. Um. <laughs> she's a bad cat, I promise. You know, she's a great cat. Just tonight, she's being a little dingus. Um, but no, it's funny because, you know, that we, you mentioned that because one episode that I just recorded not long ago, it was talking exactly about what is advanced pole and what that means and it, it, what it comes down to is advanced pole 
there really is no set definition for it because everyone's body can do different things and might not be able to do certain things. But at the end of the day, what makes you an advanced pole dancer is your technique. And yeah, and you understand, yeah, you understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. You understand like good form. You have mm-hmm. a like a high level of body awareness, and you can keep yourself safe while you figure out your positioning. Um, and some people will find that they're a dynamic gymnastic advanced polar. Some people will find that they're a really flexy advanced polar that love the splits tricks. Some will like the backbend tricks. But people for tight shoulders, they'll they'll want to do those harder, uh, what what everyone else considers to be the hardcore stuff. Oh, hey, that's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so then you became an instructor, you started competing. How was your competing experience like? Did you compete well, in Australia okay, or the so, UK? All right, so neither. Neither, <laughs> so oh, okay. What I ever did was actually um, a in a strip club. <gasps> and it was, yeah, so Love it, it was against able-bodied performance. It was an amateur pole comp, and every... So you had the semifinals and like the heats and then the semifinals and the finals. And I was the overall winner over six weeks. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So that was really cool. Um, knowing that I could like as a performer uh, hold my own. And that's when I was really like, right, I'm going to get serious about this because it's it's really what I love. Um, and I was actually in training for cycling moving towards the Paralympics when I got a call saying, hey, we have a disabled division in um, the International Pole Championships and we saw that you entered, uh, submitted an entry for the Australian Pole Championships, but they don't have a disabled category. We were wondering if we could use your entry um, and progress you to the international level. Oh. And um, I was like, oh, my coach is going to kill me. Uh, (laughs) Also, yeah, okay, let's, let's do this. And um, it was so wild. Like, I got to share a stage and perform. Like, Malu Fiskin was judging. I was – there were just amazing people everywhere. Like, I was with Una Cavella. Oh, and wow. And Rafaela Montanero and just all these, you know, big names in pole that I'd – watch their YouTube videos because this is before Instagram and stuff Mm -hmm. um, and follow and suddenly and read about on Ariel Amy's blog as well and stuff like that and suddenly here I am I had massive imposter syndrome I was so so scared and so stressed Um, but I did my routine not only did I win but like news feeds from all over the world picked up on this this thing and they they thought it was unreal and they were all so kind um in their reportage and in in their interactions with me um and i'd always had quite quite challenging interactions and relationships with the rest of the world especially Mm -hmm. mainstream society and mainstream culture and so this experience of winning the international pole championships and receiving so much positive um attention was really transformative for me it it started it gave me the tools that i needed to start really uh breaking down what was left of my um 
my personal barriers uh, and to shake off any grudges that I held and to start stepping into my full potential and to shine uh, not from having a chip on my shoulder or something to prove, but to shine because I've got a gift and something to offer and something to And So being able to stand in that position and not feel the imposter syndrome anymore was was really incredible and that's when the invitations to teach around the world started coming and and open up and you know if you teach one workshop well someone talks about it and and I um, had the most amazing couple of years traveling around and and teaching until Mm -hmm. I you know found my my roots in in London and settled them there um I did compete again unfortunately I went through in those 12 months there was the transformation but as as with most transformations mm-hmm. it's not a, and like it's not a steady uphill trajectory no it's not big lows on the way um up and the low for me was competing again 18 months later in the 2013 uh international pole championships because I had so much to lose Mm -hmm. I felt so much pressure from the world to outperform and to um deliver more and to give them what they wanted and I I really I choked I really choked I firstly I got someone else to choreograph it for me which meant that it wasn't my um authentic and genuine presence on stage Mm -hmm. it was me trying to deliver the best version of someone else's choreo even if it is a collab there's still there still was an element in there that wasn't really showing the world what I was truly capable of yeah um and yeah I I just I had great support I had great support and great mentors and everything on the way there but I really struggled mentally mm-hmm. uh, and emotionally to get on stage. And then suddenly when I lost, mm-hmm. it made me, like, brought me back into balance again. I was like, okay, I can cope with this because I found within the next three weeks, you know, everyone still loved my show. Yeah. People were still really positive and warm and accepting. Um, and everything was still great you know it was just one one bad performance and it made me more determined than ever that when I competed in 2015 I would be like the best version of myself that I could be and it would be my creation and really from my soul and my spirit and um that that next performance at the international pole championships in 2015 I was so comfortable. I was so confident. My routine was so ready. I went on stage and I knew exactly what I had to do without any question in my mind that I would walk away with that trophy. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was just a great experience to finally deliver and perform the routine. Um, And that's still my favorite performance of all time. Like just being able to be that character that I'd really invested in the development of. And I, I mean, invested over 12, months like the ideas and then because wow. it started and then I was like I'm going to use this prop and then started drawing the sketches of the costume and mm-hmm. really thinking about what I was going to do and um that was 
that was the one. That's amazing. Wow. And yeah, just so much wow. I'm just like in awe. That's a, that that's such a great story of like success and finding yourself and finding your your pole routine. Like it's so wholesome. <laughs> Do you I used to get really daunted by having to choreograph something. Like I'd cry <laughs> because getting into right brain mode was not easy for me or yeah. you know what am I going to wear for a costume like I just felt such a tremendous amount of pressure and so out of my depth and that was not a short thing like I started pole in like 2000 and what's this minus 13 2000 end of 2007 wow and, you know it was 2013 I was still so daunted by the idea of idea of having to choreograph for myself mm-hmm. um, and design a costume and create a routine that I um got someone else to do it for me you know I still found that so confronting but after that was when I started you know choreographing classes and te- and through teaching mm-hmm. that right brain creativity um really became ingrained and embedded in me so that now you know I was by 2015 performance, I was super comfortable in how I could change movement around the stage and link everything together. Um, but yeah, it was a really hard slog. It was a difficult process. Yeah, I mean, everyone's journey is different, but man, choreographing is hard. It's not easy. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier it took you nine years to get your Jamila. Mm-hmm. What was that like when you got it? I'm I've just that question's been at the back of my head since you said that. I'm like, what was that like when you first got your Jamila after nine years? Um amazing. Like <laughs> I've still got a video on Instagram of the moment that it happened and you can see on my face I'm like, Holy shit, I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was it was super cool. And but also it changed for me the way I think about I thought about how my body could do pole and I've gone through a number of different things through both pole and yoga where the thing that's stopping me from doing a pose isn't actually my body or my strength or my my weakness it's it's my personal conception of what is what I can do Mm -hmm. and I just need to stop thinking a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and just have a go and see what happens and then go, right, what, what worked and what didn't? If I, I, and that's from that moment from my Jamila, I stopped saying that's hard or I can't do that or asking someone else, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And instead trying it on and figuring it out. Yeah, because what works for you might not work for someone else and vice versa. That's, yeah. yeah. Were there any other tricks that you really struggled with um, aside from Jamila? Uh, well, obviously, Aisha is not in my movement vocabulary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, you don't need an Aisha. Well, I am I am actually practicing. I can invert a D with one arm and my shoulder. Nice. Um, so eventually, and I'm working on my one arm, um, straddle press handstand. Nice. Um, so I'm hoping that because my, I've got a good hand balancing practice, that I will eventually get an Aisha variation, just using my shoulder and 
they saw. Oh, that would be so exciting to see. Yeah, they're pushing through here and pulling through there. So I'm, it's work in progress, but it's yeah. apparently there. Um, but yeah, instead of seeing boundaries now, I dream about things and I love the puzzle. I love like thinking about if that's a two-handed move, like is this going to be accessible to me and like putting it together different ways that I might be able to um, to achieve something similar, even if it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um but also not having any attachment to, as to whether or not if, if I'm really not going to be able to do something like a jackknife, for instance, mm-hmm. um, is going, who gives a stuff? Like there's so much other stuff I can do. Like there is a whole world of pole movement still left for me to explore, even if I can't do this one thing. It's not that important. Exactly. I'm not attached or frustrated to the things that, I can't do. I just keep cracking away at the things that I can, making sure I can do them beautifully and with great technique and that my body is really comfortable with it and then seeing what I can get to next. So, for instance, because I shoulder mount with my elbow, so I hook through my elbow to mm-hmm. shoulder mount, uh, because it's quite a closed shape through my chest, I really struggled and because my head's tilted. Yes. My, my, I have to position my fist getting that into my brass monkey because I have to also hook and drop because I have to go from here to there and I don't have that second hand to transfer into right that that was challenging I've only recently nailed that nice Um, so you know there's always things and it's I'm like I couldn't do that before why don't I try that now yeah yeah give it a shot what is your thought process or what is your process usually when you see a two-handed move and you see that and go, I want to try that. How do you, what's your thought process to adapting it to Firstly, to how do they get into it? Um, can I do that? If not, how do I get into it my way that mm-hmm. gets me in a position? Where are my contact points? Mm-hmm. Um, so like what, what's pulling, what's pushing, what's squeezing? If I'm not going to be able to do that, how am I going to do that differently? Like, can I use a different body part to do one of those jobs is always a question. Um, Can I use my shoulder? Can I get into this a different way? So, yeah, it's always how do I get to the spot where they start? Like, how do I modify the transitions that lead me to the pose? Um, Okay, and then what do I need to change in the end pose in order to create a similar shape but also have enough safe points of contact. Mm. Um, and some things there aren't. Some things I just have to do a drop. Like my bow and arrow is um, is, is definitely a drop. Like I go from my straight leg lay back, my hand goes into my back, I arch my back and catch with my foot as my shoulder hits the pole. Wow. That sounds scary. <laughs> I just have to go, I know where my body's going to go and mm-hmm. I can – I know I've got enough thoracic extension and mobility to get to where I need to go um, at the same time as my foot hooks that pole. Yeah. Oh, wow. You have to have such great body awareness to do things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if, if I see a 200 move and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not going to be able to do this yet. What are the skills that I need to work on mm-hmm. that will get closer to something like this? Or is there some an easier version of this that I can perhaps set my sites on instead yeah oh 
Wow. I mean, I'm just in awe and very thankful that you are sharing this journey with me. And I, I love listening and hearing all about this. Do you have any pieces of advice for disabled pole dancers or people who might be interested in trying pole but feeling like maybe they can't because they have a disability? What would your words of wisdom be? I would be like show up to a pole studio. (coughs) Excuse me. Firstly, you need like you need to make sure that that space is accessible to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to either be like you'll need to reach out and be just be really open and really honest with the um, studio owner. Say, look, this is how I present. This is what I need to be able to get in the door. Can we get that far? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and honestly, if we need to have the confidence to have these conversations and to not feel like it's a burden on other people. Yes. Uh, like inclusion is as much the able body community's responsibilities as it is our own responsibility. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that we aren't afraid to take space. Yes. And, um, so to, to first have that conversation, this is how I present, this is what I need. Are you the place for me? Can I get in the door? Yes. Okay, great. How would you feel about working with me and it also gives the pole studio owner to go, okay, give me a minute to think about that because I've never worked with someone like you before or I'm totally comfortable. I've got three other vision or hearing impaired stu- students or, you know, so yeah. to reach out to the conversation to hear like, I'm willing to try if you are, or maybe it's like, I feel really out of my depth and that's okay too. Like mm-hmm. as a studio owner or an instructor, you've got every right to say this isn't something I've done before and I'm really scared and Mm -hmm. that's fine it's it is different and lots of us whenever we are invited to step outside our comfort zones we sometimes feel fear and that's natural and that doesn't mean you're a bad person or you're not politically correct or you're not inclusive just because you're admitting to being afraid of doing something different or getting it wrong we just all need to have that level of open communication and understanding and a willingness to try exactly that really that's that tends to be the culture that i find around these things is a lot of people tiptoe around these conversations don't Don't tiptoe just have the open (laughs) honest yeah have the honest conversation be open about it and work together to see yeah. what may work and what what may not work. And yeah. yeah. Is there any other points that you wanted to touch on? Because uh, I feel like maybe I can move on to a game soon. But if you have any last yeah. words that you want to say, say them now. No, hit me with a game. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. We are going to play. Ready. We're going to play that game called Guess the Pole Move. Woo! So what I'll be doing is I will send you a photo of a pole move and I will mute myself so you can't hear me. I will tell the audience what the move is called so they can look it up. And then you have to describe what the trick looks like and try to guess what it's called. Okay. All right. I'll be right back. All right, guys. So the move that I'm sending Deb is called a Legasis. I know, it sounds weird. It's called Alegasis. If you want to look that up on Instagram, look up PD Alegasis. Okay, 
So I sent you this trick. Oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, what what does it look like? So there is a lady who is inverted on the pole. Mm -hmm. uh, And she has a beautiful split. Uh, It's definitely come from an inside leg hang. Mm -hmm. It looks to me like it's an Allegra variation, actually an extended Allegra variation. Mm. um, The top hand is I think that looks like cup grip. Let me get close in on that. Yeah, so this is a cup grip Allegra, ex- uh, extended Allegra variation, and the bottom hand is just pulling her into a massive back bend. It doesn't even need to be there, I can tell you from experience. <laughs> what do you think it's called? Uh, does it have a name other than extended Allegra variation? It does, and if you want a hint, it is related to an Allegra. Is there maybe another move that it kind of looks like as well? Yeah, totally. So this bottom hand down here, we use that in a bow and arrow as well. We mm-hmm. use that in a Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it to do with Pegasus? Oh, well, yeah. Okay, so it's to do with Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Is it a Pegallegra? No. <laughs> you are so close. You are so close. Allegra? No, flip the order of the tricks. Oh, Allegrasis? It's called an Allegasis. Allegasis. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's not an easy trick to get into. I tried it actually at the studio earlier today, and it's it's hard. (laughs) And a lot of twists. A lot of twists. Getting that, I hate, like, I personally hate cup grip, but like... Because your hand, it goes on the outside of your thigh, and you have to cup grip onto the pole. Yeah, so with a normal Allegra, you can really get away with having the hand quite close to the knee, but with this um, Pelegrisis, you can't. It has to be, you have to have like a pretty flat split and the pole right at your hip and right across the inner thigh, as close to the groin as you can get it. And it's funny because the trick that I found for me that works getting into this is I actually get into it from an outside leg hang and then I put my other hand down and then I yank my inside leg super close so I can get my hand but you also the trick is is you can like a bird of paradise entry like a weird one yeah and like (laughs) you hook your leg onto your arm instead of the pole so that you can like yoink it around it's a weird one and like you're like turning sideways it's yeah but uh yeah that is an allegasis this weird hybrid pegasus allegra combo do we only do one of these moves is that all the game or do i get to do another one (laughs) (laughs) you're the second person that's asked if you get to do another one the only other person that's asked was dan rosen um (laughs) i mean i can find another move really quickly if you want (laughs) Yeah, let's fight. This is really fun. Okay, I will really quickly try oh, and find... I'm learning. I value the education here. Yay! Oh, I'm so glad. Um, I'm just going to quickly look through... Let's see here. What do I got? What do I got? I'm trying to remember, like, what have I... Okay. Sorry, I'm put on the spot here, and I'm like, okay, what, I'm gonna, what am I going to do? No dramas. Huh? No dramas. Yeah. Straight, 
Australian thing for no no uh, no problem. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea. I learned something new today. Okay, I don't think I have done this trick. Here, I'll show you this one. Making your life really hard because you're gonna have to find a whole new trick for your next podcast interview. That's okay. Usually I find them like 20, 30 minutes before my podcast interviews. So oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I try not to think too hard about it. So if I think too hard, I stress too much. Okay. I'll send you another one. Um, I'm going to mute myself real quick. All right, guys. So this trick that I'm sending Deb is called sloth. If you want to look that up, it's called sloth. Again, PD sloth. If you want to look it up on Instagram. Okay. I sent you something that I pulled from my Instagram. Oh, I saw this one recently. Oh, yeah? So I can tell you what it looks like. Yes. Whew. I mean, I'm going to try and tell you what it looks like. <laughs> uh, let's take a Russian layback. Let's uh. take that as our, our starting point. Mm-hmm. And we're going to come out of that by sitting back up. And as we unhook the foot from behind the pole, if we were in a Russian layback, mm-hmm. we're going to take what would be the same arm as the hooked foot, keep holding onto that pole because apart from the back of your knee and your butt crack, yep. that's going to be the only contact point and don't let go or you'll fall on your head. Um, falling on the head is not recommended (laughs) and then your inside arm so the arm that is also the knee that's hooked to the pole pulls your leg behind your head to your opposite shoulder almost like you're in a lotus um i will tell you in theory uh you're supposed to be able to hook that foot behind your head and let go yeah wow Wow. This this is a move that re- requires you to have an amazing forward fold um, and to pretty much be able to link your feet behind your head, right? I will tell you, no, I do not have an amazing forward fold. Oh. Yeah. There's a lot of twist action going on. Yeah. Okay. So your chest is facing the ceiling. So it's the, more the rotation and the pull mm-hmm. through that left arm that's giving you access to put your foot where it's going what you'd call it though i can't even guess (laughs) it is called sloth who named this i have no idea but it's called sloth that's the most fun part about pole moves to me the names right but who named it and why so someone who's a pole sloth is sarah blackmilk so it could come back to her. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I always have to know who invented a move. So so I can always refer back to the crew, like, because things get watered down and bastardized over time. And, and, and it, it, I find an example of this is the vortex. How, like, when, so that's that's a Marlo Fiskin move, right? Okay, yeah. And she originally 
it's the ankle of the front leg that's on the pole and the back hip and that leg pulls out to the side. You come into it from a climb and a stand, not a sit. So the popularized version of the vortex is from a sit, right? A straight leg seat with the arms out and then you just let the legs go. But the original version is from a climb with two completely different contact points. But unless you know where the move came from and who did it, you would never know. So that's interesting you say that because I also find that each, depending on the region that you're in, different moves can have different names. So when I learned Vortex here, it was on spin pull and it was not from a sit, it was straight legs with the pull between your ankles and then you wrap your arms around the pole. That is truer to the original. That is closer to the original. But still yeah. different from both of the others. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. So it's always really fun. Like, if you're really, I'm so obsessed like with, with move origins, but to go back mm-hmm. to the YouTube videos of the people who created them and go, okay, so this is the way that it's been taught like popularly but how did it really start is it the same have we stayed true to that and most of the time we haven't we've made it more accessible and easy there's even a current trending move that this has happened with um i don't know if you've seen the flash pd flash oh um yeah i i saw that going around instagram for hot sec yeah 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 so that one is incredibly hard because it's the opposite arm to the leg and you really rotate and twist but there's been a whole lot of moves and um transitions with thread throughs and variations based on an idea that came from the flash with a much easier entry with the same arm as foot holding to allow you to move through it you know changing it um and moving away from what the the fun thing is and making it more accessible can also lead to some really like cool pathways yeah and cool transitions and opportunities for pull passes and all that jazz oh I love it I love it oh this makes me want to do a whole episode about pull moves and origins that would be fun Um, (laughs) but to wrap things up here where can we find you on the great Instagram if we all still exist after December 20th Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, oh, I can't believe it. Why can't Instagram just do the right thing by everyone? Right, right. Like, people see what they want to see. If people tend to avoid hashtags that show skin, your algorithm is able to not show them skin. Like, why does it have to be down to or, the user anyway? So why can't the user thing. just put on a filter for themselves or be yeah, responsible? Exactly. Create a filter so we can weed out Yeah, what you don't want to see and what you do want to see. Yeah, yeah. But where can we find you? (laughs) My Instagram for the moment is at Debzilla. Um, This does replicate to my Facebook page, which Mm -hmm. is Deb Wrote Poll. Um, And... Yeah, so those those are the best places to find me. At Debzilla. I have an H at the end. So Debzilla. Not like Debzilla. Not like... So we've already gotten that. So I had to put an H at the end. Oh. Well, Debzilla with an H. Got yeah. it. And one last thing. What yeah. are you? I am a 
pole dancer. Oh yeah. <laughs>